Now hear the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Mark. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Some pretty uncomfortable readings today. And in that vein, I'm going to continue to make you a little bit uncomfortable. But it won't end there, I promise. Our gospel starts with John telling Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons. And we tried to stop him because he wasn't one of us. Before we try to make sense of this statement, we need a bit of previously in the Gospel of Mark. Remember that we are looking at Mark's good news of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as revelation, as the revelation of Jesus to the disciples, as teacher, prophet, and ultimately as Messiah. And then a reordering of their conception of the Messiah in the terms of the Son of Man, the Son of David, and ultimately as the Son of God. Here at the end of chapter 9, we're in the section describing Jesus as the Son of Man. We ended chapter 8 in Caesarea Philippi with Peter proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah, and Jesus immediately begins to teach that the Son of Man will suffer, die, and rise again after three days. Peter receives a harsh rebuke when he tries to correct Jesus. And then chapter 9 begins with Peter, James, and John ascending a mountain with Jesus and witnessing the fullness of the divine glory of Jesus in the transfiguration. As they come down the mountain, they encounter the other disciples, the nine who remained, who have failed to cast out an evil spirit. Then, upon casting out the evil spirit, Jesus proclaims, This kind cannot come out, but only through prayer. Human power is insufficient. The intimate communion and dependence on God that we find only in prayer is what is required. 
And after once again teaching about the suffering, death, and resurrection that awaits the Son of Man, Jesus retreats with the twelve to a house in Capernaum for some private conversation and training. We heard in this house last week about the argument among the twelve over who would be greatest. And Jesus' rebuke that true greatness comes with serving others and not in being served. And to illustrate this, Jesus called a child to himself and says that welcoming a child, welcoming one with no social standing, one who has nothing to offer, no benefit to gain, no advantage to seek, that welcoming a child is the same as welcoming Jesus and ultimately even the same as welcoming the Father himself. It's here, with the child perhaps still in the lap of Jesus, that we hear John, and we begin to explore today humility, humanity, and the image of God. Humility, humanity, and the image of God. This is the heart of the revelation of Jesus as the Son of Man, the human one, the perfection of humanity. We'll continue to explore the created intent of humanity as the image and likeness of God in more depth next week. And then the next week, we'll explore humility in action. But this week, we hear John addressing Jesus as teacher. Within the gospel, this form of address as teacher rather than Lord or master usually indicates that the person doesn't fully comprehend who Jesus is. And within Mark's gospel, we can see how this address as teacher is a step back in the understanding of who Jesus is. You see, John has seen Jesus in the fullness of his divine glory. He's heard Peter rightly declare that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. He's witnessed Jesus in works of ministry that have not been seen in Israel since the days of the prophets. And yet, yet he addresses Jesus as teacher. John continues to demonstrate the immaturity of his understanding of the work of Jesus and the way of the kingdom of God. We saw someone casting out demons in your name, but we tried to stop him because he wasn't one of us. You know, we can giggle and shake our head and tisk tisk about John's immaturity right up until we look at our own. The church down the street, yeah, they're, they're doing great things. They're feeding the hungry, welcoming the outcast, healing the sick. But they aren't really one of us. Perhaps they're not even Christian because they aren't like us. Because we disagree on a point of doctrine. Because, like John, we remain insecure. Think for a moment about the insecurity expressed in John's statement. Think for a moment about the roller coaster of the past few weeks he's had with Jesus. Peter's confession and then rebuke. The indescribable and disorienting experience of the transfiguration. The failure of the disciples at the base of the mountain to cast out an evil spirit. The arguments among the twelve about who will be the greatest. The strange teaching of Jesus about suffering and death and resurrection. John has to be thinking, do I really belong here? 
enough to be here? Can all this really be true? What, what if I don't get this right? And John responds to insecurity just like we do. John responds in the same way that we respond to insecurity and self-doubt. First, he makes Jesus small enough to understand. Teacher. Okay, I can put my arms around teacher. Prophet, no. Messiah, absolutely not. Son of man, son of David, son of God. No, teacher. I'm going to make Jesus small enough that I can hold him in my hands when I'm insecure and filled with doubt. And then... John tries to exclude others to reassure himself about his own status. This guy, he wasn't one of us. He must be something less so that I can see myself as something more. Now listen to Jesus' response. The way that Jesus echoes Moses replying to Joshua. Jesus says, do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon to speak evil of me. Recall the base of the mountain as Jesus reminds the twelve that casting out demons is not a human activity. But casting out demons occurs only by the power of God in prayerful communion with God. Deeds of power are not done for self-glory, but instead in the name and power and reputation of Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. See, deeds of power are an exercise in humility, the humility of the one through whom the Spirit of God is working, the humility to submit this work to God, and the humility to glorify God and declare his name. Deeds of power and exercise in humility for the community that witnesses them. The humility to recognize that the Spirit of God works according to the will of God and not according to the will of people. We don't get to select the person God will use for a particular ministry. We're not able to earn for ourselves a particular gifting of the Spirit. We're not even able to control or stop or restrict the work of God manifest in others or even in others. Ministry in the name of God is always the ministry of humility. In Christ, we learn that insecurity is not a lack of pride or a lack of confidence. Insecurity is a lack of humility. Insecurity results when we lack the humility to allow God to define our identity, worth, and value by the love which declares us to be beloved children of God. We heard something similar from James today. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Jesus continues with another example of humility. Truly, I tell you, whoever gives you even a cup of water because you bear my name will not lose the reward. Think about this for a moment. When you are thirsty and share your need for even the simplest act of hospitality, please 
give me a drink of water. You present the opportunity for the person in front of you to receive a reward. When I am too proud, or as we just learned, when I am too insecure to offer even my need to others and to receive the grace that is offered, I deprive others of the opportunity to know the reward. Likewise, when in my own insecurity I fail to see the person in front of me as bearing the name of Jesus, I deprive myself of the reward. I deprive myself of community and of communion. And Jesus continues with a warning, perhaps still referring to the child that he's taken into his arms. Jesus says, if you put a stumbling block before any of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better to be thrown into the sea with a giant millstone around your neck. If we ever have any doubt about our utter need for divine mercy, we can read this verse and begin to feel the weight of the millstone and hear the waves of the sea. Praise be to God that the justice of the kingdom of God is always restorative, unlike the retributive and punitive justice we've come to expect from the kingdoms of the world. Justice in the kingdom of God is always restorative. Justice in the kingdom of God is always, always restorative. But what are these stumbling blocks that we should beware of? If we look back at Jeremiah and Ezekiel, we find that idolatry is the stumbling block of Israel. The desire for wealth and power and self-indulgence that's manifest in the false gods of the nations, these are the stumbling blocks of Israel. But is this what Jesus is talking about? Listen as Jesus continues. If your hand or your foot or your eye cause you to stumble, if you continue to seek the idolatrous ways of the kingdoms of the world, consider the so-called justice of these kingdoms. If greed and envy, if the desire for wealth causes you to steal, let your hand be cut off like a thief. If your shame and your idolatry causes you to run away from God, let your foot be cut off like a runaway slave. If your idolatry causes you to turn your eyes upon the false gods and worship the creature instead of the creator, if you seek to find your identity, worth, and value in anything other than the love of God, let your eye be plucked out as if you are a peeping tom. It is better to be disciplined by God than to dwell in the trash pits and the fires outside the city. It's better to be humble before God than to be consumed by pride. It is better to repent and turn to the Lord than to engage in pointless self-justification. Over the next several weeks, as we journey through the 10th chapter of Mark's Gospel, we'll continue to hear about these stumbling blocks of hardened hearts, seductive wealth, and vain glory that stand between us and the mission of the Son of Man to be the perfect image of God, the fullness of humanity. So now that we've looked a bit at these stumbling blocks, what does it mean to place a stumbling block before these little ones? Now we get to the heart 
of this call to humility, humanity, and the image of God. In the very creation of the world, God made humanity, male and female in community, to be his image and likeness in the world. We chose to reject this call. But in Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God redeemed us. God restored us and formed us once again into the church, the body of Christ, with the mission and purpose once again to be the image of the triune God to the world. When we choose once again to reject this mission, when we instead image to ourselves and to the world the idols of our disobedience, when we seek for ourselves identity, worth, and value in things other than the kingdom of God, by our life and by our example, we set stumbling blocks before these little ones. And we choose to dwell in death as traitors to the kingdom of God, deserving the traitor's death. But praise be to God that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as the ransom for many. Justice in the kingdom of God is always restorative. And this is our call as the ransomed, as the redeemed, as the restored, to destroy the stumbling block to turn away from the idolatry that surrounds us, to reject the siren call enticing us to find our identity in wealth or power or self-indulgence. Instead, instead we are called to embrace the humility that submits our identity, worth, and value to the love of God, the humility to receive our name as beloved child of God, the humility to be formed and bound together as the body of Christ. It is in this humility that we discover and that we recover what it means to be truly human. And like the Son of Man, our humanity can no longer be threatened by the betrayal, condemnation, and mocking of the world. Our humanity is no longer threatened by the suffering and death that drive the world to insecurity and idolatry. Instead, our humanity thrives in the power of the resurrection. It is in this humility and humanity, as the kingdom of God manifesting, or as the community of God manifesting the kingdom of God, that we are able to live into our calling and purpose, to be the image of God, in the holy and mighty name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.